There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. You are. I am very excited for the season to get here, but I feel like I just got thrown into everything uh, that's happening, but it's still an exciting time. Uh, today, I am joined by Hale Varsity Radio Show host, Chris Schmidt. Chris, thanks for being on the show, man. How are you? Good, Greg. Good to spend time with you, man. Thanks for the, uh, the phone call or the, the Zoom. <laughs> the zoom yeah yeah thanks thanks for accepting uh, you've been busy running around you were at big 10 media days doing the show from out there which i definitely want to pick your brain about you have tons of guests on the show um and there's a couple of things i definitely want to ask you about from that um but how, how expansion was i don't know yeah like there, it's one of those things is where like you know pick a topic because it normally this time of year right is starts to ramp up it starts to get busy again um, and there are uh, any number of topics, but you normally don't also have coming off of, you know, the COVID year. So you've got all of the questions still with that, because that, oh, by the way, you still got to deal with that. You've got expansion talk, which is just running rampant right now. And then you have NIL that is like a big sea change in the landscape of college football. And those three buckets are huge before you even get into team breakdown and what's going on um, with the Huskers this year. And so I wanted to have you on to kind of talk mostly about what's happening with the Huskers and just kind of do a fall camp preview uh, because there's just, it's a, we've said this before um, leading up to what's now about the fall camp about to begin um, July 30th for Nebraska. And we'll continue saying it. This is a pivotal year. Like it's a big year. Like there's really no way of kind of getting around it. And that kind of leads perfectly into one of our segments that we have each week, Coach Speak, where I um, read a quote from someone um, a talking head player or coach, and then we give you the straight-up breakdown of what they meant. Coach, speak to real talk. And this week it comes courtesy of Nebraska head coach Scott Frost, um, who was asking, who was asked at Big Ten Media Days, I think it was the very first question, um, about if this is the best team, at least on paper, that he's had. And he said, quote, in part, uh, without a doubt, this is the most excited I've been about our team and the most confident. Part of it is talent. Part of that is just the character of the young men on our team and the culture surrounding the team. I'm excited for this season. We've got to go earn whatever respect we get. And so far, we haven't been doing enough of that, but our players are really excited to do that. So, Schmidt, what did he mean by that? What, what it meant to me is, A, you're going to have a chip on your shoulder anytime you're picked fifth, all right? Whether you've been five and seven, four and eight, three and five last year, I think you've got a group of, of seniors, and I think you have a group of super seniors that are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right. And, and that's the, the vibe I got from, from Austin Allen. He is, he's sick to his stomach that he's a Nebraska kid. You grew up dreaming to play here. You're, you know, you're normal, fairly uh, common in-state stud that 
you, you've got a Husker den in mom and dad or grandma and grandpa's basement. Right. You grew up watching old, old Orange Bowls or with with Austin's age, you watch Sue, you know, put Colt McCoy out like he was a cigarette and you're still ticked off about it. Right. And you, you, you've done all the things to, to get yourself at a level to be uh, a six, seven or six, nine tight end uh, and, and, and go be one of the names, you know, and remember in Husker lore and your career has been, Oh, we're home for the holidays. He's done with that. He wants to go to postseason. And he has been very vocal about an active leadership and it comes to accountability. And, you know, we hear it every year, right, between uh, great leadership or the players are hungry or go down the, the dot, dot, dot list. But I, I, you know, sit next to Austin Allen for pretty extended interview. I mean, you could just kind of see in his mannerism and in his eyes and hear in his voice that the guy is super serious about making sure everybody on the team is in lockstep. Now you got to put that together on Saturdays. That said, I don't think it's going to be for, for lack of organization or effort or like-mindedness uh, from these super seniors and from these seniors where they're going to make sure uh, everyone's on the same page or you're not part of the, the, the party. So yeah. I, I tend to, I tend to believe him and I tend to believe that your, your point about being a big year and get what you earn, they need to, to kind of shut some people up uh, for the sake of not being a joke. And, and Nebraska has been a national punching bag. You go back to last year with lawsuits and, and, and wanting to play. And then you go out and you go three and five with some head scratching losses now, this is, this is a chance to have a bit of a revenge tour, but it's totally up to them when it comes to execution and taking care of the football. You know, coaching's going to take you so far, but eventually you guys, the, the, the 11 on offense, the 11 on defense, and whoever supplements in, uh, the, the, the backups, start winning some ball games, man, because you guys have done everything the right way under Duvall in the weight room. You're not getting smacked around anymore on the line right. of scrimmage. So go handle your business and, and don't be part of the problem. And Nebraska's offense uh, and turnovers and red zone efficiency has been part of the problem. Yeah, and it, it, it's very interesting to me that when I asked you about the Frost quote, that your first instinct was to go to a player in Austin Allen. And I'll tell you why. I mean, that. It, the reason is, is because I think that for the team to be able to take the steps that a lot of fans really are craving for them to see, you have to have that attitude from those players, right? And I think that Austin Allen being a guy who is going to, and I don't know if he'll be a captain. Um, I, I, it surely feels like it's heading that way, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and if he's not, he's going to be part of that leadership group, is that those guys, though, whoever the captains are, the leaders that the players look to on the team, they all feel like Austin Allen. Like, I would guess, and the first name that I've just kind of thought of, that if we had talked to Cam Jurgens at Big Ten Media Days, he would have sounded a lot the same way, right? Like, I feel like that there's a growing group of players that are tired of, like, tired of putting out a losing product and tired of doing the little things that have cost them games repeatedly and not correcting them along the way. I think that you learn 
you can learn from your mistakes in a much quicker fashion um, than the team has. And Frost talked at length about that as well um, throughout his time um, with media at Big Ten Media Days about the little things plaguing the program. And I think that at some point has to become player-led as well. Like there's only so much that a coach can say about various small things that are costing you games, whether it's mental lapses on specific plays or it's penalties or, you know, you know, fumbling, turning over the football, like the players have to take accountability about that at some point. And I think that that's what Frost means when he says that the, the kind of attitude of the players that we have now and what they're and how that's kind of spreading. I think that that's what he means that they've got enough guys that really care because I, I do think that there is something to one of the kind of underlying things about this season is that you do have like seniors on this team that haven't gone to a bowl game at Nebraska, which is just crazy to say. Like that's that's like you kind of shuddered when I even said that. Like it's it's a weird thing to even say out loud that you would go through your entire career playing Nebraska football and not go to a bowl game. Like I think these guys realize that they don't want to go down in history as that group. And I think that one of the ways that like kind of the past can be beneficial is that, you know, if you're a player on this team, yeah, you've heard about Jason Peter and he's come in and helped you've heard about Jay Foreman. He's come in and helped and Grant Wistrom and all those guys. Right. But the one thing that you can kind of take away from that is, is maybe you don't have that level of success. You're not ripping off three out of four national championships, but if you play competitive football and you leave it all out there, the people around here are going to remember you for the right things. You don't want to be remembered for the wrong things or really even forgotten because we have some cases of that too. Now I think that there's just a lot there and a lot of motivation for these guys to get this thing right. Where are you in, in the, the, the Husker legacy, right? And Nebraska players are, are a special fraternity mm-hmm. and you've got some of those on Mount Rushmore that are never forgotten. Uh, and, and then you have some guys and, and Jay, our buddy Jay Moore talks about this too, like kind of, and he's not forgotten because he had a lot of success and he was on some good teams, but it's still the, oh yeah, you're, you're a Callahan guy. And, and Jay could have played for, and was recruited by Frank, but totally could have, could have played for, for anybody. He was that good NFL pick, obviously, but you get that Callahan era where, you know, it's not it's not the, the the TO era, or it's not even the Frank guys. I mean, you have different, I guess, sections of, oh, of that of, of, of that Nebraska football fraternity through no fault of your own. When did you graduate high school, and when did you did you go? When did you go to Nebraska? So, no, I think it's it, it's so important to have, and coaches say it forever. And it's not just coach speak. It's not just going to sound good on radio or, or look great in print or video, but it is all about being player led because you can hear coach Fisher or coach Frost or Greg Austin yell at you about a false start, a targeting call or a turnover. But if Deontay Williams or Austin Allen or Cam Jurgens or Ben Stilley lose it on you during practice, they could physically lose it on you, but, but right. also the verbal side. There's just more weight if, if, a, if a friend or peer gives it to you or holds you to a certain standard versus 
your boss, teacher, or coach. Eventually, uh, the boss, teacher, or coach starts sounding a lot like Charlie Brown's teacher. But your peer, your peer is going to be the guy you're going to dinner with or that, all right, dude, I need the electric bill help. Uh, (laughs) I mean, so there's just a little bit more weight to it. So I, I, again, we got to see actions versus words. And I thought Nebraska, quite honestly, was pretty muted uh, during Big Ten media days. I mean, they, they answered questions. They were fine. They were, they were fine. And Trev Alberts was, was his suave self with, how good he is uh, when it comes to being in front of the camera. And I think there's a, a lot of sincerity behind it, sincerity behind it. But no, I mean, Nebraska has got a lot in front of them. It's, it's a brutal schedule, but it's also a, a prove it schedule with Albert's not attaching a number, but it's a look, you know what, yeah. Greg, you know it when you see it, right? Yep. You're a bears fan. you you know what good quarterback play looks like. Unfortunately, you got to throw in the 85 Bears a lot of times, but there's <laughs> right. hope for you. There, there, is, hope. there is hope. Right? With Fields coming to town. So, no, I think Nebraska fans, listen, it'll take care of itself. Totally will this year with your winnable games and then those coin flips. Be better, man. Be better in coin flip games because you've been right there despite your own attempts to keep you away from, from being close with right. turnovers or, or boneheaded plays. Yeah, that's the thing that that I still think that we maybe don't like talk about enough is that just how close on the scoreboard Nebraska has been. Like it's, I feel like we do sometimes, and we just the collective we, not just me and you, talk about Nebraska football and where they are and how far away they are, as if they're like oceans away. And it really isn't that that's really not the case when you just break down game by game in some of these losses. And Scott Ross mentioned this too, about how they have muted. You just said it about how they basically have to be better in one score games, but also like how many of those games would not be one score games. If Nebraska was able to take care of the football or deliver that knockout blow, like how many times can you picture now under, in, under Scott Frost where they've got some momentum only to squirrel it away and then have things completely flip the other way, right? Mm-hmm. Like those times that you can you can count really on one hand the amount of times under Frost so far that Nebraska has got up, say, 10 to 3 on somebody, and then boom, they go right down and get that touchdown and really make that game feel a little bit iffy for the other team, right? Like that stuff, ha- that's the kind of thing. And so we're not just talking about those mistakes that lose you games at the end. It's also those mistakes early in the game that keep you from really putting your foot on an opponent to make them feel down and out. Um, And one of the things though, that I wanted, I wanted to definitely talk to you about, you kind of mentioned it was Nebraska's demeanor that had big 10 media days. Is that what you thought that you were going to get from the Nebraska contingent, that more kind of muted demeanor did you did that surprise you or take you off guard at all? Let's break that down. No, I, I it didn't shock me at all. You've got um, you had a message that was clearly communicated from Alberts to Frost to the kids as far as just all right. Let's just go in. Let's do this thing, mm-hmm. and there's not much expected of us, and we'll see where. The, the, the national media comes in uh, with, and Alberts was there to, to, to take some of those questions and, and obviously uh, yeah, those get, get some questions. A lot of those went right. to him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with, with Scott Frost, I mean, he, he, 
he knows that it, the time is now uh, to, to go get uh, a good season put together despite the schedule. I mean, how do you look at it as a detriment and, oh, no, it's, it's a, a top five or top three schedule? Or do you say, hell, yeah, it's an opportunity? And I think a lot of his kids look at it as an opportunity, especially with those super seniors. Yeah, they want to be uh, playing on Sundays, but guess what? Guess what's going to jump off film uh, for NFL scouts? How well do you do against Oklahoma? How do you do your job against Ohio State? You've been right there with Iowa and Northwestern. You mentioned something so important with those momentum-seizing either drives or plays. Think about it. You know, with Northwestern, you, you, you score before half, you come out, and you're up, you're up a touchdown on, on this just incredible defense. And we're going to make you make a mistake Northwestern, right? They did it right. to Ohio state. They did it to Nebraska and, and you get two field goals and you get a touchdown thanks to, to, to farmers pick. And then you have two red zone, two red zone turnovers. Right. Right. And, and even a, a couple of years ago, Noah's in and I love Noah Bedrill, but you're up 17, six on Indiana. Remember that shootout and you go down and fumble inside the five could have made it a 24 to to six ball game. You're up. You could have been up 18 or look at Iowa. I have to say Iowa. (laughs) Right. You have, you have the interception in in, in the end zone. Uh, Northwestern you're, you're playing good ball against Iowa. And then, and then what happens? You get the strip sack, right. As you're trying to go, win this thing 27 to, to 26 because you did a pretty good job a, a whole night. You were down 10, nothing to Iowa. You roar back and, and tie that thing up. But, get, but what happens? You have a fumble on a punt, right? You get a stop, you pin Iowa, and then bang. You fumble a punt, they recover, and then there it flips. I mean, you have momentum-changing moments that go from being able to, to put somebody down for good or recapture a lead in a one score back and forth game. Right. And those are just like, that was right there was like four different teams worth of examples of over, over two years, over two years. Like that's, and that's what I'm talking about. If Nebraska can figure that out, plus clean up now, they're not going to say they don't need to clean up other things because there's other stuff that goes into that too. You got to find but a like, pass rush. Grant. Yeah. You, you got to find a pass <laughs> rush and, uh, and or continue to improve your first and second down efficiency on defense. So then that way sure. you're keeping people in third line. Like there's some, a couple of ways to get around that, but yes, find the pass rush, right? Um, you've got to find big plays as, ask your buddy, Brandon Vogel, he will tell you they've got to find a way to get big plays into this offense because that really is the big equalizer in the thing that's missing in this offense as well um because they, you just have to have it it's a staple of this offense but you know on the schedule point too you know it, it is all in how you look at it because it if nebraska wants to go out and earn that respect and i do think that one of the kind of big big picture takeaways from media days from from nebraska's group that was there was the talk of earning respect i don't i don't think that anyone was out in front saying, well, boy, woe is us. Why aren't you guys giving us more love? I don't think anyone was saying that. Everyone to a man basically said, we're, we, we're going to get what we earn. And I think that that is a good mindset to have. But the way the schedule is set up, you have an opportunity to do that. So if you have a tough schedule, if you want to go out and earn respect, 
you go out there and you win these games, right? Like I think that then that doesn't mean go undefeated, but what it means is, is you win those games that you're supposed to win, right? Something that has also eluded Nebraska, win the games you're supposed to win, knock down a couple of those coin flip games and you're in business. Like you can put together a solid season like that. And then you, and then we have to talk about whether or not, like how competitive you can be with Oklahoma and Ohio state. Like you do have to have, when you're playing those teams, there is going to come a point obviously where you want to be competitive enough to beat them, but there's also a point of just being competitive with them. Like you don't want to keep going out there and looking like, you know, you don't belong on the field. And they didn't necessarily look like that against Ohio State last year, but that game did get away from them. Um, And that's kind of what you'll be looking for early in the season in that Oklahoma game. Absolutely it is. And, I mean, you can go out there with house money and just play free and not stupid, but but play with nothing to lose. I mean, go back to that that 2018 Ohio state game where, I mean, that was Nebraska's for the taking. You had a wounded Ohio state game, Ohio state team after the Purdue debacle and Ohio state's kind of doubting themselves on top of the fact they were breaking in some future NFL guys. Nebraska went after them, went after them. Great. Uh, I mean, that was, you know, one of the, one of the big, uh, big games from Austin Allen. You had Stanley, you had JD. I mean, you had it set up. You had a, a run game and a good O-line with Ziggy and, and Adrian looked wonderful, but again, red zone turnover, man, early in that ball game on RPO. And, and then, you know, you fast forward to the, the game day hype and build up where it's absolutely a confidence killer where you, you, you go get drilled and then, you know, uh, you have Okuda uh, <laughs> as good as advertised picking you yeah. off three times. And, and then, you know, last year, with the opener, you were good until uh, you weren't. And, and part of that was some turnovers too. I mean, you know, you were, you were in a, in a, in a shootout and you lose a shootout by 17 in Columbus. Eh, it's respectable, but then it turns into 52 to 17. Right. Right. Because of some of the turnovers or a strip, you know, a, a, a strip sack and, and score, you know, where they get a defensive score and it just the wheels, you can get beat. You can even get beat by a couple of double digits with this schedule. But what you got to have, which what you got to stop having, is is when the wheels come off. Right. You had too many instances uh, with this fan base seeing the wheels come off, be it the Pallini era where Melvin's still running, or right. where you have no shot. You don't look like you want to be out there under under uh, Grandpa Mike, and and then you have uh, some instances where it looks like you've gone backwards from year one in some of these big uh, big showdown matchups. Yeah, absolutely, and it's interesting too because where this all starts and and trying to get ready for some of these games is what's happening this week, right? With fall camp. And so what, what I'm, I, there are a lot of different things that I'm curious about, but I'm going to start with, with one of them. I think the top thing for me, I guess that I'm, I'm really looking for for this fall is seeing what happens with that running back situation. And you mentioned it with a couple of the games that we've kind of talked about that have gotten away from Nebraska. One of the good, in a lot of the, the common themes of those games from Nebraska, they ran the ball well in those games. I think this offense is completely different when you're able to run the football successfully. It opens up everything for this offense, right? And Nebraska's ability to find a solid running back or two this season, I think is going to be imperative for their success. And I think that that's just something that I think we'll all be kind of keeping a close eye on as we move along through fall camp 
Is it who who is Ryan Held talking about? Who who is you know Scott Frost and Matt Lubick talking about? You know, really having that opportunity to run the football. Um, I think Gabe Irvin's getting the first crack at that. Um, with Jockey Ant being in there, Marvin Scott's in the mix. I feel like Savion Morrison is kind of the dark horse in there. Um, Ramir Johnson is kind of hanging around. We'll see what they get from Step, who Frost said would be on a pitch count um, when he was asked about him last week. I just rattled off probably five guys who have about 22 stars by their name in between them, right, through the recruiting rankings who are good prospects coming out of high school. Like, what other things are you looking for um, with this fall camp as we get ramped up for this 2021 season? Well, running back so key because of, of what it will do for this offense. You need a healthy Adrian Martinez. When has Adrian gotten hurt running? Yeah. Adrian's gotten hurt every time in his career running the football, trying to run out of the pocket against Boulder, where it was WWE time. Uh, you look at the, the scramble against Purdue, where he took the shot on his shoulder a couple of years ago, again, running the football. And he looks awesome. I mean, he looks, yeah, he looks so good. Really good. Yep. He looks so good running the ball, but you want to you want to sprinkle that on top of your Sunday, right? Versus right. a a Sunday full of sprinkles uh, when it comes to, to leaning on Adrian running the ball. But no, I think they I think they hit on on a guy like Gabe Irvin. Now, what Nebraska's done, I don't want to say wrong, but it's not worked out. They've always kind of picked the wrong back to lean on. Right. Greg Bell. Greg Bell supposed to be it. You go win a a pretty tough recruiting battle, get your Juco player of the year, flakes out. You go uh, win a recruiting battle against Arizona State for Mo Washington. And Mo was special, but Mo wasn't really all in. And we both saw the Tanner Farmer podcast, right? Right. Where, Where Mo just was marching to his own beat and you picked wrong there. Okay, so it's important for me, health uh, notwithstanding, that you circle the best guy and just roll with him versus what Nebraska has done the last three years. And, you know, by by game six, you kept leaning on Ziggy. Well, Ziggy was gathering dust in your first six games in 2018. And then, you know, powers forward for a thousand yards. You've got personnel but pick the right personnel from the get-go and, and ride that horse. And I love Yant. I, I, I think he's going to be uh, nice. Uh, use Ramir uh, with his speed as a third down guy, but find your dude between the 20s. And, and, if, and if you can use that guy inside the red zone, you hope you can. You should be able to. But you, you've got three to four options between Morrison and, and Marvin Scott. And Nebraska's addressed the, 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 the body type, right? They had some Central Florida ideas the first couple of years with who they recruited in the running back room. Well, now you got some Big Ten backs that, that go 220 or better and, and are six foot or over. So you've got some downhill dudes that can run the football. I think the O-line's going to be nice, right? You, you yep. think Ben Hart's going to make a jump. Uh, Turner's only got one start under his, under his belt, but man, could be could be really special. Jurgens is a guy that doesn't have a problem uh, drilling folks on the interior. Uh, you think the snap things finally solved, and then you've got experience galore at the guard spots, uh, or, or you're going to find a new starter because someone rises to the top 
Right, which and is wins the best-case scenario, right? Yes. And this Someone is, goes out and takes it. Yep, and that's one of the things that I – like, outside of that running back spot, like, Nebraska now being in a situation where they've got a few position groups that are like that where, okay, this guy is coming along and might be able to take a spot, and it's not just because we have to, we have to give it to somebody. It's not one of those by-default situations, right? It's that, right. you know, Brant Banks went out there and won a job over Matt Sichterman, or, you know, Casey Rogers has pushed Ben Stilley so much to the point to where they're basically 50-50 on snaps. Or, oh, boy, here comes Nick Henrich. He's looking like every bit of the top 150 recruit that we recruited out of Omaha Burke. Like, there's a number – Miles Farmer, right, and in the, in the in safety. Like, those – that's enough guys right there that when you're talking about, you know, three, four, five of those types of players that are right there on the cusp and pushing your depth, that just really helps the overall health of the program. And I think Nebraska is getting to that point, which is why I, and I've been asked this, I feel like all summer long about whether or not Nebraska from like locally and not like, does Nebraska have enough talent to make kind of a jump or to get back to bowl games or compete for the big 10 West? Like, and I say, absolutely. They do like Nebraska has the talent to do those sorts of things. They have the talent to compete in the West it's whether or not they're going to actually put it together on Saturday, circling back to our original discussion mm-hmm. about avoiding those mistakes that kill them in games. Like it's not about the talent. It's, it's about the mental side of things. Um, and I think that there's a lot overall to be excited about, about the program. The problem is, is there's just too many, too, too, a lot of spots where to be, you can be excited too few spots where you feel like you absolutely know what you're going to get. Like I think it's the way to describe that. No, and 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 that's it. You don't know what you're going to get, or you're fearful of kind of the same old, same old with with pass rush. Right. I think I'm going to get a stout run defense. I think I'm going to get good linebacker play. You were going to get great linebacker play if if you still had Honus. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to get exceptional secondary play. Okay. I think you're going to get good wide receiver play because there's going to be some trust. And I think there was some lack of trust a year ago. Either guys were too new and didn't, didn't quite know everything, which is to be understood. I, I, I get that when you factor in the COVID year and there's no spring ball, there's no summer workouts together. So that, that explains some of it, but no, I think between, between Toure, your, your, your wide receiver or your tight ends, I should say, uh, Omar's kind of the wild card, but, Listen, they, they've got enough options at wide receiver. He is an amazing bonus, and I'll right. just put it that way. If, if you get consistency out of him, he's going to just kill people, and it's going to be a, a Sunday stand type type guy. You can just throw that damn bubble we hate and let him just stiff arm and eat a pop or more, right? And then uh, you got Xavier Betts, the leap he can make. Uh, downfield, Nixon, uh, you got Alante. I mean, you've got a bunch of dudes that Oliver are Martin. good. Yeah, are good size. And Oliver Martin, I was talking to our, our friend Scott Docterman. He's like, no, like he's called your possession guy, but he's got so much athleticism that he's your possession plus because he can also stretch the field. He's fast. So, no, I mean, it all doesn't it all just shape up and sound wonderful right now as we're in late <laughs> yeah, July. When you're, yeah, when you're in late off- July waiting for camp to start, it does sound wonderful. You have you have an offensive line that, man, look, look at look at how good they can be. You got a quarterback that's been there four years. You've got this 
uh, size improvement on the outside with your receivers. You have two tight ends that uh, are going to make Sunday folks in the NFL think about drafting or signing uh, based on their size and athleticism. Then you flip to the defense with the leadership over there and how those kids love playing for one another and, and coach Chenander. So I've already talked this up to nine or 10 wins. Haven't I? <laughs> I'm just you know kidding. What's, what's I'm just weird, kidding. Though, yeah. <laughs> but what's weird though about that, it's funny because we're like, Hey, you know, if you talk about it, it, it sounds good. And I think you're right because in a normal situation, like if this was not Nebraska and this was, I'm trying to think of just a different team that we don't cover like Michigan state. Right. And Nebraska fans were looking at Michigan state. And I told you that they had a four year returning starting quarterback they got an impact transfer at wide receiver. There's a Juco guy that a lot of people think can be an NFL player um, and a top 100 guy waiting in the wings and Xavier Betts. You've got a couple potential NFL tight ends. You've got two tackles that people love. And you have a center who, you know, Michael Jr. is sharing highlight tapes of on Twitter of him pancaking dudes, right? You would say, okay, that should be a pretty decent offense if you keep it surface level. If I tell you on defense that you've got, you know, X number of returning starters, you had these super seniors, handful of guys that decided to come back. Um, and then you've got a couple of really emerging linebackers. You have Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich were playing great football at the end of 2020. You say, well, wait a second. Why would you think that that team might only win four games? Well, <laughs> when you really start to peel the onion back, the onion layers back, that's when you get into that nitty gritty of what we started off the show talking about about just all of the things that have surrounded this program. I think that the pieces are there for them to make a nice improvement on the season. And that would not just like absolutely surprise me. The problem is, is that it would also not surprise me if it was more of the same. And I think that that's where you have to get out of that place with Nebraska football, where it would not be surprising if they only won three or four games. Like, I think that they just got to get away from that to where you, you're back to the baseline being bowl games, and then you kind of layer on from there. Like, and I, but I do think the pieces are there to be able to get there. You can totally build it. Look what Tom, Tom Allen's done, five and seven, five and seven. Finally, you get the jump, mm -hmm. and it, uh, it was pretty cool for them last year. Because he's been he's been going to work. If Nebraska does not make a bowl game this year, it better be you're on your 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 third choice at quarterback. You better have lost two pieces all on the offensive line due to injury. Yeah, and I mean it better it better be the the worst case of of turf monster injury season ending type situations where you're, you're throwing guys, you're throwing guys in that really aren't ready to go. Yeah. yeah, at, yeah. At, at, at a couple of key spots. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is where we kind of are um, heading into this fall camp. Um, now, every week we end the show with a segment that we call Put Them On Blast, where we basically put someone on blast or something that they did or said. Put them on blast. I am actually in a roundabout way going to go with a rare back-to-back Last week, I put the Olympics on blast because I wasn't even 100% sure why we were still having the Olympics, given all the issues that we were having. But I also prefaced that by saying that I do love the Olympics. And I was in, actually, I was in bed last night chanting USA, watching Katie Ledecky swim as she plays second, taking the silver medal. Um, but with that being said, the Olympics slash NBC have to go on blast this week. 
one of the things that happens, and this is something I understand how we get the whole tape delay situation mm-hmm. because of the time zones um, with the games being in Tokyo. So I get that you're going to just have to live with a little bit of that. But what we don't have to live with is we keep seeing NBC slash the Olympics scrubbing, trying to scrub Twitter of all of the highlight videos that are coming out from the games. You just can't do it. Like at this point, that genie's out of the bottle, man. It's 2021. People want to watch this. And truth be told, I had lost track of yesterday about like what time Ledecky was swimming. And the way I found out was checking Twitter before I went to bed, right? And so you want those things out there. Like stop trying to scrub that stuff because really I understand what they're trying to do about protecting the, the video for TV and all of that. But on the other hand, where we are right now with social media and technology, just let that stuff go viral and people will watch it coming back later. Like I like Simone Biles had actually gone in gymnastics at like 6 a.m. yesterday morning, but it came on later that evening. I still watched it. Like I knew what happened, but I still watched it because I didn't get to see it earlier. And there are plenty of folks that are doing that. So NBC Olympics, you got to go on blast. Please stop trying to scrub the internet in 2021 of all of the things that are happening with these games. Let the stuff go viral and people catch on with it. You're going to go want to see greatness and Biles is greatness. And right. just because you, you're going to want to watch the whole routine, man, it, it's, it's okay. Uh, not your fault. Uh, the, the, there's a time difference and it's not like your, it's, it's not like your sponsors are going to be running and your sponsors are going to be running because your viewership's gotten punched in the face, like 40%. Right. Which is not not the fault of like the internet having clips. Like that's not why that's happening. Yeah. It's actually just tough. Like to be honest, it's kind of difficult, I think, to keep track of what all's happening when it is like what's tape delayed, what's not. Yeah, where's the rundown? Yeah, like something has to change with the way that that's going. And it's been interesting though. What you mentioned rundown, we were watching last night. Now I forget the name of the show. It's Kenny Main and Carrie Champion where they basically run down like everything that has happened and they break in with coverage. Like that stuff has actually been really good. The same thing, um, I've got to shout this out, the uh, like highlight show with Rich Eisen. I don't know if yeah. you've seen it. It was great. Like he was, it was just like archery, like random stuff. And he's super. Oh no, boy, Billy Dolman's doing archery. <laughs> yeah, he's been, it's been great. Um, so definitely check that out. But again, let that stuff happen. All right, Chris, who are you putting on blast? Oh, uh, I'm going to get old A&M. Texas A&M oh, is, is on blast. Uh, they're whining. They're screaming. They're, they're going four-year-old in the toy aisle, uh, throwing a fit about Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC. And I, I guess it, it's the height of hypocrisy where – and I get A&M wanting to get away from Texas because Nebraska really was no different. Right. But – you're, you know, you have this group of, of schools that, that kind of started expansion. Okay. They were forced to do so because they didn't like how, how the rules were going. So A&M, you go get paid and it's elevated your brand. You, you caught lightning with Johnny football early in the transition. And now you've got Jimbo there and, and they're recruiting. Well, what do you have to worry about? I guess I want, I want A&M to shut up. And, and, and go win some football. You want to talk about earning respect. You want to talk about a program that has constantly oversold and underdelivered right. in the history of college football with all their talent, all their first round picks, 
with all their, their studs off the edge to go kill a quarterback. A&M, uh, you're on blast because what are you worried about? Texas has, has been down. They've been down further than you've been, uh, <laughs> right. despite transitioning leagues. And they're going to come in. They're not going to get to call their shots. They're going to enhance things. Uh, and same with Oklahoma. And, and you're fine. You weren't able to keep your arms around the state of Texas anymore anyway. The SEC had begun, and you know this, great begun infiltrating Texas more now than ever because A&M opened the door. And that's just how it's going to be. So A&M, shut up. Just go win some ball games, and, and, and go beat Texas. Do your thing. You get a chance to do it again Right. Absolutely. And that's the thing. You want that redemption. You go out there and beat them and you'll be able to do it. And then maybe you'll be able to come off of that little brother status. Um, but that's been my favorite subplot. I started telling Derek Peterson this. That's been my favorite subplot is A&M tears because uh, I'm totally OK. that Nobody thinks as highly of A&M as A&M does. Um, and, that's <laughs> a great, <laughs> and that is a great place to leave today's pod. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you only leave four, I am inclined to think you are a hater. Uh, make sure you're checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own podcast, Varsity Club, Nebraska Preps Post Game Show, and Nebraska and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. Uh, also, check out the Hill Varsity YouTube page. Um, you can also email the show at straightupbreakdown at hailvarsity.com. I will catch you next week. A Media Production.